in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, hello and welcome to Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories Today is Friday, June 16th, 2023 How are you this Friday, Christy? You know what? I'm going to say that it was a great Friday. It's, it's <laughs> You're preparing. I'm, I liked my new thing is I say it as if it's already happened. I'll say, man, and what it's a, worked because we're recording this on Thursday. What a great Friday I had. Everybody just everything went right. Everybody got along. There was no arguing. It was a great Friday. Saw you hung out, had a lot of fun. What a great Friday that was. And now it's already happened. So I got to do it like that. Right. You have declared it and it shall happen. Mm-hmm. It's, you did that one time we were going to uh, get our nails done together. It was like a, you know, treat yourself day. And you're like, this went well. Everything's perfect. And we loved it. And we came out. That's exactly what happened. We went and <laughs> bought your patio furniture. You're like, I will find patio furniture. And then we did. And it's perfect. So sometimes you just got to say this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Shut it down. Declare it. So all everybody listening right now, whatever day it is, declare that today shall be a good day. And it's it's been a good couple of weeks for us. We just finished our tour. Oh, yes. We got back from our the this current California leg of our tour from San Francisco and LA. So thank you to everyone who came out and said hello. So much fun. If you were at the LA show, you saw McGruff in his Dodgers jersey. Oh yes. New rule is if you sell out a show, McGruff will wear a jersey of your hometown sports team. That's right. So coming up July 19th, Boston, it's your chance. July 20th, New York. July 22nd, Washington, D.C. August 15th, Detroit. August 16th, Columbus. And August 17th, Pittsburgh. So if you want to see him in a Pats Bruins jersey or a Nets jersey or a Senators or a Tigers or Columbus, oh, the Ohio State. We get him a Buckeyes jersey in Ohio Uh-oh. or a Pittsburgh Pirates or Steelers jersey. You got to sell them shows out. They're getting close. So head to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows or click live shows on the top banner of Sinisterhood.com and get your tickets before they sell out. It's been so much fun. Genu- genuinely a blast. So I hope everybody can come out and have a blast with us. And maybe some of these fine folks that send in their stories will be there. Yes, maybe we can meet you in person at the VIP afterwards when we hang out and talk and you can tell us your Freaky Friday story in person. Oh, I would love that. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Kinsey. And we're coming in hot with My Child Shares DNA with the Serial Killer. Listen up, tens. A five is speaking. So I have a six-year-old daughter, and I know every parent, aunt, uncle, whatever that's listening, understands when I say six-year-olds are fucking insane. I always joke around when she's having a tantrum that she's a psycho. But considering she actually has serial killer DNA in her little body, I should probably stop saying that. I don't believe you've covered him, but my daughter's great uncle is Paul Ezra Rhodes. I've gone down many rabbit holes about him, so all the podcasts and documentaries have blurred together. Paul was an absolute piece of shit from Idaho Falls, Idaho, who murdered innocent people in the Idaho and Utah area in the 80s. 
He was convicted in three separate kidnappings and murders, although it's believed he had six victims. Idaho Falls is located smack dab in the middle of where the abducted in plain sight victim, Jan Broberg, lived in Pocatello, and where Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell lived in Rexburg. I tried thinking of an insult to call Lori and Chad, but they don't even deserve that energy from me. Anyway, back to this mouth breather, Paul. On February 28, 1987, Paul abducted and murdered Stacy Baldwin from her job in Blackfoot, Idaho, about 30 minutes from Idaho Falls. March 17, 1987, he murdered Nolan Haddon while he was working at a gas station in Idaho Falls. Nolan was found in the walk-in cooler. March 19, 1987, Susan Mickelbacher was abducted, raped, and murdered. She was a special education teacher who was abducted in the parking lot. His other victims were Christine Gallegos, who was only 16, Carla Maxwell, and Lisa Strong. I believe these three were in Utah, and it's important to remember their names as well. Douche Canoe Paul was never convicted for these murders. I found out my ex was related to this piece of shit, kind of on accident. My ex's last name is Meyer, and one of our first conversations went something like this. Tim, I have a brother named Michael. Me. Ah, so your brother's Michael Myers? Him. His last name is actually different. It's Rhodes. Me. Oh, <laughs> like Paul Ezra Rhodes, the serial killer being executed this month? Sure as shit, he said yes. That was his uncle. I should have taken this as a red flag, but you live and you learn. This was in 2011, and I still think about how dumb I felt trying to make that joke. In 2017, we had our daughter, and every time I remember she's technically related to a murderer, I become more and more grateful that podcasts like yours have taught me the early signs of psychopathic potential. Kind of a joke, kind of not. This part isn't necessarily part of the story, but it's a huge thank you. My mother-in-law, Karen, was an absolute angel and the complete opposite of her, quote, family member, Paul. She was a huge part of my life since 2011 and sadly passed away on May 22nd. She kicked stage three breast cancer's ass, was in remission, and a heart attack of all things stole her from us. On May 26th, I was shopping for a dress for her funeral and had Freaky Friday episode 62 playing in my headphones. Hearing about Bella swinging from Edward's nuts and poppling yourself made me laugh out loud for the first time that week. I definitely needed it, and I appreciate you both so much for that. Keep it creepy and hug your mom tight if you still have her. Oh, well, thank you, Kenzie, for sending that. And rest in peace, Karen. It's important when you have relationships like that in your life where it's like an adopted mom later on in life. And it's so hard when you lose them so quickly. But mm -hmm. we're glad we can make you laugh. And what a piece of information to learn on a date. And I want to say, speaking of making people laugh, don't don't feel bad about making that yeah. joke. I think, so your brother is Michael Myers. That's funny. Most people Excellent. would say that. he You weren't prepared, nor could you have ever expected the retort. Yeah, that's something that he dropped that on you. <laughs> it was like a, <laughs> yeah, Rhodes. Yeah, exactly like that, Rhodes. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. could have just maybe made, he could have eased it in the conversation a little nicer. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. something to. Oof. Yeah, or just, uh, yeah, his last name's different. Yeah. Anyways, so what are you thinking about having tonight? I mean, I don't know if you got to get into that on a on a first date. Yeah, it's pretty early on to to bring all of that. It's not even just like, well, it was in the news. It, I mean, he was a heinous serial murderer across, mm -hmm. 
years and states and a wake of destruction. Not the good sort of a story to bring up early on in your dating relationship. I guess if there's a potential that somebody could find it out about you, maybe you want to get ahead of it. And that's not to say, I mean, it's your family member. It's not you. So I think Kinsey brings up a, a good point of when it comes to DNA, is there something to be worried about there? I have no answer, but I'm sure that your little girl who is six, who is acting like a uh, psychopath now, as Ella's five and a half, and I think that's just what happens because yeah. shit's wild right now. <laughs> I'm very. I just I'm not a parent, but I'm a fun aunt, and so that means I get to go and play imagination with kids. Like I'm very much like. The no adults allowed except Aunt Heather. She can come. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm still the cool one. You're and cool. yeah, the things kids come up with, you're like, what? And okay, <laughs> sure. That's right. wild. Like off the wall. Well, but, also, the uh, tantrums are next level. So I hope that um, you get through this phase and everything's yeah. <laughs> Gucci yeah. after that. Right. You know, She'll be think seven. Think about Paul Ezra Rhodes ever again. Exactly. She'll be seven then. And that is definitely a benefit of the fun aunt is the tantrums. I'm like, oh no, mom, <laughs> I'm going to go. Y'all need to handle this. Love I, you. And you get to go out on top while we have to swoop in and clean up the mess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, the yeah, perks well, of being the fun aunt. Everybody's there. favorite. I am. That's the only thing I want to be. Well, thank you, Kenzie, for sending that in. Yes, thank you so much. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one's from Emma, and it is called A Less Crimey True Crime Story. Hi, hello, I love you both so much. Being that I'm from Australia, the Texan accents give me great joy. I fully encourage y'all to exaggerate them as much as possible while reading this. Well. I'll just say this next line because I can't do it for the whole thing. But this is a long one, so let's get into it. (laughs) (laughs) I really did it up for you there, Emma. Emma writes, I grew up in an abusive household, not physically abusive, but emotionally and financially. They are still forms of abuse and should be taken just as seriously as they are often the stepping stones to physical violence. We shall refer to my father as Bryce, because he was never actually a father to me. And that's his damn name. So Bryce would go consecutive weeks, sometimes months, without speaking a word to my mother as a way to punish her for doing something, quote, wrong. This could be anything, as small as dinner not being on the table right at six o'clock, or the house not being to the standard of tidy that he wants. Insert massive eye roll here. This is just a small example of the many, many things he would do to control the way my mom acted. It also meant that my brother and I were forced to grow up very quickly because we had to be the ones trying to convince him to speak to her again. We had moved from New Zealand to Australia while my brother and I were very young, so mom was isolated from help. Mom would often sleep in my room because she was too uncomfortable to sleep in bed with Bryce. Us growing up fast was not my mom's fault at all but definitely his. My brother and I also copped a lot of verbal abuse from him, never to the extent of our mom, but my brother definitely got it worse than me. Also good to note here that boys generally do take the brunt of abuse more than daughters, as they are seen as a physical threat by the abusive father. Some crazy dumb logic that apparently makes sense to these people. So as is the case with a lot of abusive situations, it got worse and worse as the years went on. 
Fast forward to me being away at uni and just my mom, my brother, and Bryce at home. I was in my first semester and totally on struggle street as I am a super procrastinator who hates doing assignments. One night I got a message from my mom letting me know that she and my brother had been forced to leave the house about three weeks ago. They didn't want to tell me because, as I said, it was my first year of uni. So what happened? Dickhead Bryce got angry at mom one night and was getting very close to her face, yelling and screaming. My brother had to come running down the hall to intervene. This amounted to Bryce physically chasing my brother through the house, wanting to kill him, and yelling just as much. They left with the clothes on their backs and walked hours and hours to the closest police station. So brother and mom were unhoused for three weeks until they were finally given a public housing place to live short term. This is when they decided it was time to tell me, as they were at least in a house. I obviously had to quit university and went to be with them during this horrible time. Once formally charged with abuse and with a restraining order against him, Bryce took the obvious next step and stalked us for years. He would drive past our house, steal shoes from the front steps, but only one from a set. We moved three hours away to the city, and driving back from work one day, saw his car going down our street. It got to a point where we had moved seven times in one year. The only reason we are still even living in the house we are now is because my mom said, this is enough, we won't be moving again. She told the Women's Help Center that was helping us that they could put up cameras in our current house because we were not moving again. Let him come, we were done. I think that if she hadn't done that, he'd still be driving past us just to scare us. The cameras give us so much peace of mind, just knowing we can look to them before opening the door. Or we can look if there's a big noise outside. It's such a small thing that it's the biggest deterrent for disgusting people like him. They never want to be seen doing these things. Bryce also had his sister send us threatening, disgustingly abusive messages over Facebook, and the list goes on and on. The only time he ever contacted me after the inciting incident was on my 20th birthday. But not to say happy birthday. No, this was to ask if I still had money from when I borrowed some from his rich arse parents years ago. My grandparents. Because of course that's the kind of nonsense rich people care about. The whole thing amounts to years and years of going to and from court for abuse charges and just trying to get him gone from our lives. My mom basically became a lawyer, as the public defenders were always so backed up with their huge workload. Obviously, it was going to end like this from the start. He was an abusive man who had been escalating since his early 20s. But would you like to know the thing that had him getting worse a lot quicker? Like a lot of abusive pieces of shit, he was dating a young 20-something on the side. The real kicker to this is we knew her. More than knew, really. She was a close family friend. We were friends with her whole family, and she grew up alongside me and my brother. That's right, folks. He was dating someone his daughter's age. I throw up in my mouth every time I think about it. As an extra added layer of fun for us to deal with, though, this woman was a little bit off her rocker. He and her made a super combo, that's for sure. This takes a weird turn, guys, so buckle up. Because we lived on a dairy farm, we often had a close relationship with the people working with us, as we would see them every morning and every night. They'd usually pop in and have breakfast with us before or after. It's really common because of the early and late hours. So this friend of ours was at the house a lot over the years she worked for us. Mom basically treated her like another daughter. 
She even came on a few weekends away with us. I would come home from uni for weekends, walk into my bedroom, and think to myself, something was off. You know when you can just tell something's been moved or is missing? I'd be convinced my bed had been moved just a little and would even go ask my mom if she had tidied my room or something, with said family friend standing right there. I would get that feeling and never be able to pin it down because I had a bunch of my stuff off at university. So I just chalk it up to that. No big deal, I guess. Turns out my so-called father and our close family friend were sleeping with each other in my bedroom. On my bed. My mom and brother would be out of the house and they would have a good old time in their friend and daughter's bed. She was also stealing a bunch of my stuff, like useless money that I had left over from when I went to America, and a lot of my clothing. You'd think the nice clothing, right? Oh, no, no, friends. She had my gross stained period underwear. She stole my period underwear and wore it. I found it in her washing machine. I hadn't been able to find it for months until we decided to go to her house and investigate while she wasn't there. Yay for country people not locking their doors. I just thought I must have thrown them out until then. This person, who was having sex with my mom's husband, had also stolen her underwear as well. So to recap, she was wearing the clothing and underwear of the daughter and wife of the man she was sleeping with. Can I get an ew? After it all came to a head and we were talking to friends one day, they pointed out that the girl had also dyed her hair the exact same color as me and my mom's. It's all so creepy, so gross, and such an invasion to top off an already super blah situation to be in. There are so many layers upon layers to this story that I could genuinely write a book, but that's the gist of it. I mostly wanted to send the story in as an example of the range true crime can take. No one died. No one was kidnapped, but his crimes affected our lives immensely. We all lost friends, needed therapy, and have permanent anxiety and PTSD. We had to entirely change our life paths because of what Bryce did. Security cameras are something that is now standard to offer abuse victims, at least in Victoria, and I'm so, so glad most others don't have to go through what we did, having to move all the time. The amount of times we were told to just move because he had shown up again, is ridiculous. Just like the Killer Queen's Freaky Friday story, the onus was on the victims to get out of his way. The orders on him were just for if he, quote, did something more. Ridiculous. Also, as if moving your whole life is as easy as just moving. Now we're all happily living, mostly, fantastic lives. My mom specializes in consulting for businesses and nonprofits that work in domestic abuse and homelessness. She gets a little kick out of the fact that Bryce would hate that she makes money off of what he did to her. She also runs her own pottery studio, DC Ceramics Studio in Melbourne, Australia. Yes, that is a shameless self-plug. Her work is amazing. Thank you both for shining lights on every aspect of true crime stories. They matter and show that this kind of abuse is a systemic issue spanning the world. Other listeners, you are not alone in your hardest times, and I promise it gets better as cliche as that sounds. I adore Heather's legal insight into the cases you cover, and of course, lose my mind every time Christy talks about Petal. The supernatural stories are the best balms for the soul after some of your more intense cases. Thanks again for telling these stories. An avid listener, Emma. 
Well, Emma, I am appreciate you taking the time to share that with us. And I'm sorry that you had to go through all that. The You're right in the emotional and psychological and financial abuse can be just as damaging as physical abuse. And when I worked with the older adults, that was one of the most eye-opening uh, statistics I learned in my training was that a lot of times with older adults, financial abuse would have more, it would cause more health complications, heart attacks, strokes. I mean, depression is physically taxing on you. And yeah. so it does, even if someone never touches you, getting close to your face and screaming and emotional abuse, it has physiological oh, symptoms. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. To watch your mom be constantly abused and berated and to be the one you and your young brother have to be the peacemakers. Yeah. I mean, that's the type of stuff that, you know, molds kids. And that's probably a pattern when you grow up and, you know, because that's kind of what you're used to. Mm -hmm. I hate that you were put in that position, but I'm so happy that you shared your story with us. And she actually sent in kind of the first story and then remembered something after listening to the killer Queens episode. Mm -hmm. So she sent in some more. So I, kind of combine them into to one. And I think that this is extremely important to shine a light on because this type of abuse is very prevalent. And I think a lot of times people think, well, you're not getting hit. So whatever, it's not They're that bad falling. when the damage and ripples in everyone's life that this type of abuse can cause. I mean, like she said, they all have PTSD, anxiety. They're all in therapy. I mean, you know, like, that's not just something that uh, you get over. That's something yeah. that you kind of are working with. And I think sharing stories like this really helps people heal. <clears throat> and for those that are going through something similar to know that you're not alone, like like Emma said. For sure. And yeah, just saying, oh, shake it off. And also weaponizing silence. I knew a person who <sighs> kind of bragged that she had done that to her spouse and said, oh, I, I didn't talk to him. I like and basically shunned him to the point that he ended up having a mental breakdown and was it had to be hospitalized with kind of like a, a catatonic psychosis because it was it like drove him so wild to be treated that way. And she kind of said it like, well, I didn't talk to him and it serves him right. You know, he had cheated on her. I'm like, this is just everybody's just abusing you. Like everybody yeah. just leave each other alone. But all that to say is that like that silence, that long periods of prolonged silence when and it's it really can damage you psychologically oh, yeah. and, and that your mom had to, to stand that and not only that in front of her kids and then you guys had to watch that but nah. i love that victoria uh, or in melbourne give out uh oh, yeah. cameras to dv victims and survivors that's huge because that huge. like you said they don't want to be seen doing that bad a lot of times the narcissistic type of abusers want to make you they want to make you afraid and then on the outside go i'm a nice guy everyone Gaslight loves me yeah. yeah i would never do that i would never mm -hmm. chase I her she's crazy things. first of all fuck you forever bryce stealing one shoe oh that's fuck so off. rude god yeah. damn it that's take rude. both or don't take any dickhead yeah dickhead is right and yeah the the cameras i think i would hope are a deterrent and mm -hmm. i hope you never ever see him again and no i uh, i this the friend sleeping with him is disturbing oh. enough but the yeah. stealing we all have period panties let's just get it out there if you menstruate if you have a period you we you know what we're talking about even once if you or don't twice. you probably did you probably know <laughs> still you know There's, somebody that's got that has periods i'm sure we all have an oopsie and yeah. you you're like well i can wash it out i'm not gonna throw them out because it's gonna happen again so i might mm -hmm. as well 
that's for you only. And the I thought of anyone touching my period panties makes oh me kind God. of horrified. It makes me want yes. to pop on myself. But yeah. then to think that she took the also, period panties. the moms. Yeah, but also the moms and she panties. was boning your dad on your bed. Sick. I mean, the whole thing. The only – and uh, I have nothing but something to try and make it make sense in my own brain. Perhaps he was abusing her as well or grooming I mean, he clearly has patterns of abuse. Yeah. But uh, either way, that doesn't make it any less disturbing or gross or just awful all around. Yeah, especially looking everyone in the face in that family and knowing mm-hmm. that she's sleeping with them behind the back. But yeah, you're right. I don't imagine someone's horribly abusive to a spouse and children and then a really good boyfriend on the no, side. I think not. they're just shitty all over. So in their whole life. Well, Emma, we're really sorry to hear about that, but we're very appreciative that you shared your story because much like with Trella and Killer Queen sharing her story, it can maybe inspire somebody else to share theirs. For sure. Also, everybody go to Google DC Ceramic Studio in Melbourne and see if you can buy a piece of her mom's pottery. Or if you're in Melbourne, go on over DC Ceramic Studio. Yeah, and if you need a consultant, it sounds like she is an expert in that as well as uh, working with businesses and nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So hit her up. Well, thank you again, Emma. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one's from Jackie F., and it's called Welp. That was close. Hey, ladies. First off, I want to say thank you for what you've done for me. I joined the Patreon group a while ago, but I forgot you sent a sticker to the members. Well, that sticker turned things around for me. October 2022, I found out I had to have brain surgery, and the sticker came the same day in the mail. I got to open that up unexpectedly, and it gave me a bit of a smile. Fast forward eight months, and I had that surgery. Your pod was what got me through laying in the ICU. So thank you for all that you do. I've heard some possible sex traffic stories on a few past Freaky Friday episodes, and it made me think of the time that was truly too close to happening to me and did happen to someone I knew. Four years after high school, I went into politics. I had to move to a new area and didn't have a good way of making friends. A girl from my hometown, let's call her Meg, happened to live not far from me with her boyfriend. I was super excited to make a friend. I was always wild in high school, but this girl seemed to take it to a new level even then. But I didn't want to judge her on her past mistakes, and I was new to town and really wanted to make friends. Meg asked me to come over to a barbecue one night. I also had two friends visiting me that weekend from out of town. I decided to head over to the party and hopefully meet some new people. To be honest, I grew up next to a big city, and not much scares slash surprises me at this point. I've seen it all. So my two friends, my one friend's dog, remember the dog, she's important, and I head over to this barbecue with few worries. The dog was about eight months and had little training. When we get to the neighborhood, it's clear we're not on a great side of town. We finally park on a sketchy street. My two friends, my friend's dog, and I were nervous. I didn't want to be judgmental, so I put on a strong face walking through the neighborhood and called Meg, thinking this must be some mellow hangout once we get to the house. I hadn't seen Meg in about three years, forever in your early 20s, and I thought she was doing well. Well, Meg meets us outside on the street, and she's so intoxicated she can barely speak. She's slurring so bad we can't understand her, mumbling her words and is basically incoherent. This should have been the first sign to run. But again, I didn't want to be judgmental, so we went with it. 
Her boyfriend came out soon after. He ushered us into the backyard with Meg, which was completely fenced in. There were also some people in the backyard who seemed to be watching us in a weird way. It was all men, minus us, Meg, and one other woman who seemed just as intoxicated and out of it as Meg was. After we entered the backyard, Meg's boyfriend locked the fence with multiple padlocks. This was when we all started to feel really endangered, but we were already locked in. But as someone who has experienced massive amounts of trauma, I knew resistance would not work. So, in a quiet second, I asked my two friends to trust me. Once we were in the back, Meg walked out and stood next to me as I heard her boyfriend say to her, We need to get your friends as fucked up as you are. At that moment, multiple men walked up with beer and whiskey. Luckily, I was the first to ask to drink, and I have celiac, so I turned down the drinks for me and my friends. At this point, the men had completely surrounded us, though, and it was becoming clear that it didn't matter if we drank or not. As the men closed in on us, I ran out of things to say to get us out of the situation and became very worried. My two friends were looking to me, and I was trying to find an escape, but not seeing any viable options. This is a moment I will remember clear as day for the rest of my life because I knew what might happen if we engaged with these people. I kept trying to say I needed to move my car, but I knew they were not going to let us go. As these men circled us and the panic rose, my friend's dog got spooked and ran. She ran right through a small hole in the locked gate to the street. Luckily, the men unlocked the gate for us to chase her. When we caught the dog, they tried to convince us to come back into the locked area. Since we were already out, we took the dog and literally ran to my car. We got away that night on a bad feeling, but we didn't know the truth. I followed Meg for a couple of years after that. She was sex trafficked and fed drugs for years, up until her death in a college town park 10 years later, that got no news attention. I remember that time often, and how close I was to being trafficked too. Had the dog not run and we stayed locked in? Well... I think this would be a different story. I look back on my life and I think this is one of those moments where my life could have gone down a different path. I share this because I want people to understand that these things are not always so obvious. Sometimes someone familiar asks you in. Anyway, thank you for all that you do. You do have so much influence on the world and I hope I can get there one day. I started a podcast mainly out of the inspiration I got from you. So thank you. Oh, Jackie, like you said, thankful for that dog, because otherwise <sighs> those padlocks, your brain just immediately starts going, am I going to jump the fence? Can I get through mm -hmm. that hole? Who? We're outnumbered. What do we do? How do I get back in the house and to the front door? Yeah. The padlocks, if you weren't already had a bad feeling, uh, that's not a typical thing to do. That's so that would immediately, I would start panicking. Yeah, crystal clear, especially being surrounded and we need to get them fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And you, you realize very quickly, uh, y'all are pretty much the only females there. I get what I, I get it, though, because you move to a new town. We were recently talking about like, it's hard to make friends as adults. And so, I mean, when I moved to Florida, I didn't know anybody there. And I had mm -hmm. a friend from high school that also lived there. And so like we reconnected and and hung out for a bit. So I get that, that you want to have some kind of familiarity. And if you hadn't been in touch for a while and you don't know what's going on with someone, uh, you find out the hard way, I guess. 
Yeah, when you show up and they're they're in a pretty bad way. And it's just yeah. one of those situations where you it, it is fight or flight and also extremely high stakes because that that feeling we talk about that in your gut feeling where it's the the dog acting nervous the dog knows and the you dog know knew. too the dog was yeah. like we're getting the fuck out of here girls mm-hmm. the dog's like i got y'all let me bolt <laughs> and took <laughs> off because that's uh it gave you an excuse you know like oh let me move my car Your i car can't believe be they let them out i mean that's a puppy everybody loves a puppy you know what i True. mean even like you see a puppy get out sometimes even the hardest men are like all right go get the dog jokes on you assholes like we're coming back in we're not stupid yeah, yeah they told us to <laughs> come back the in the house out of there with the dog we're not bringing our dog back in there but Mm-mm. yeah the dog uh the dog knew and the dog did the right thing and and was the only one that could given the small hole in the fence so that's yeah. a good teammate that puppy yeah and uh what's especially creepy about this is it wasn't like you just were like oh that was weird that may have, you know, I wonder if some kind of trafficking situation was going on. When you find out that she is being trafficked, she's being fed drugs, and then, unfortunately, most likely that's what took her life, you uh, you realize, no, I wasn't being dramatic. Like, that was going to end really bad. Yeah, it wasn't just a bad party. It was Mm-mm. a very serious, dangerous situation. But, yeah. Jackie, we're glad that, uh, that you got out of there. Thank yes. you for writing in. Mm-hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one is from Cece, and the subject line is Stranger Danger. Hey, y'all. I want to tell you a story that I heard when I was a little girl growing up in the woods of North Carolina. I was always afraid of the dark, and my grandfather told me I had every right to be, and here's why. My great-grandparents were tobacco farmers and had a nice plot of land off a long dirt road. The road eventually connected to a winding highway that led directly into a small town. If you're picturing Forrest Gump's driveway and his run into town, you're on the right path. Just add a whole bunch of trees. Sometime in the 40s, my grandfather was a young man and would make that long walk to town from the farm every day. He was always told to be home before dark, no matter what. One night, he got caught up a little bit late in town and didn't make it home before dark. When he headed out of town, a young fellow about his age was headed the same way. My grandfather didn't recognize him and asked him what brought him to town. The boy said he was just passing through and his ride must have missed him. He asked if my grandfather would mind if he walked with him out of town. My grandfather was welcoming of his company since he knew he'd be in big trouble when he got home so late. Might as well make the best of it. My grandfather and the boy walked and talked and they noticed they had so much in common. They liked all the same things, had the same dreams and aspirations, and found out they even had the same scars, and heck, they even looked alike. They were fast friends. Before he knew it, they were at the long dirt road, and he told his new buddy that he was welcome to stay, since that ride never did show. The boy said a simple, thank you. They turned to start down the road, and my grandfather said over his shoulder, so what's your name anyway? His new friend did not answer him. My grandfather slowed his steps, and it sounded like his friend slowed too. He stopped and asked again. No answer. My grandfather turned to see what was keeping the boy from such a simple question. The boy was gone. The fear shot up from my grandfather's feet, and he ran the entire way home. Now, if you think that's where the story ends, you'd be dead wrong. For the rest of his life, 
People would talk with my grandfather and say how they didn't mean to upset him the other day, or they had seen him out somewhere else that day. My grandfather was always perplexed by these comments and would say, oh, you must have seen that other fellow. Was this a demon waiting for a ride? Was it the devil just waiting for someone to invite him in? Did it happen before, and that's why he was warned not to walk that road at night? I don't know, but I never wandered around at night. And that's why you leave a note. And that's why you're <laughs> home before dark because your doppelganger will latch onto you. Right? Your evil <sighs> doppelganger who, that sucks that of all the places your doppelganger could live, it's in the same small town as you. <laughs> came to the freaking same town as you, going to all the same places. But it is creepy to be told. And I think this is why, and this is why we're breaking these generational uh, communication barriers where if great-grandparents, great-great-grandma want to go, little Billy, you need to be home before dark or the devil will get make a double <laughs> of you and the devil will try to fight and then we won't know which is which. Just tell them the truth. Oh, yeah. Just tell your kids the truth. What's the truth? I don't know. It sounds like it's some sort of a, a doppelganger or demon or something when it was invited in and it was like, thank so you. So that's what you would tell kids? So you're saying they did tell them the truth. They told, oh, they told, yeah, well, <laughs> Cece got told the truth. I'm saying Grandpa should have been warned oh, in advance. Oh, yeah, Grandpa yeah, Grandpa yeah, should have yeah, never yeah. told. He's but just being told, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just come home. But why? Yeah. See, that's the thing. Everyone's like, we can't tell them because it'll scare them too much. You're goddamn right it will. And then they won't go out and do it. (laughs) You need to equip them. (laughs) They need to be equipped on how to respond if a demon doppelganger starts talking to them in the street. Otherwise, they're going to be like, you want to see my scar? And the demon's like, (laughs) I have the same scar. I also have a scar in the same spot. A mirror reflection. Oh, that's so eerie, though. It kept you safe is what it sounds like. Exactly. So thank you, Cece. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I kept Cece safe. This next one is from Summer, and the subject line is Printer Access in the Afterlife. To start off, I want to tell you ladies how thankful I am to have found your podcast. You've kept me company and laughing through two of my husband's deployments and a cross-country move. I appreciate the work you both put in to keep us entertained. With Father's Day around the corner, this story has been on my mind to send in. My papa was the kindest person I've ever met. He was an amazing gardener, painter, and animal lover. I never heard him speak a bad word about anyone, and he never hesitated to show emotion or tell people what they meant to him. I relished in being his only grandchild. More than a grandfather, he was my rock, my hero, and my North Star. He left this world for the next on December 12th, 2022, and I will never be the same. I was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to deliver his eulogy. I spent days through grief poring over the words I would say about the greatest man I ever knew. There were many drafts, but in the end, only one was saved to my computer where it was last open on December 17th before I flew back home for his funeral. Fast forward to March 2023. My 11-year-old let me know he had a project due for school, last minute as always, and he needed some supplies. Before I placed the order, I asked if he needed anything else. He replied, nope, anything else I need, I can just print. As I was heading out the door around 4 p.m., our printer randomly printed something. I thought my kiddo was working on his project from his room, and I didn't think much about it. Later that night, as I prepared to walk our dog, I saw the paper still in the printer tray. I picked it up and started to read it. It was a paragraph I had deleted from my eulogy. 
A little freaked, but trying to rationalize it as my printer just glitching out, I walked to the kitchen to throw it away. I kid you not, as the paper hit the trash can, I heard the printer queue up and the same paragraph printed again. This was about three hours after the first time. I proceeded to run to my very logical and rational 16-year-old's room to tell him what happened. As I'm recounting the story, we hear the printer queue up again. We both take off to the printer, and this time, only one sentence from a completely different deleted paragraph in the eulogy prints out. After the third page printed, and it was just one line, I couldn't find a logical explanation. Despite normally being afraid of absolutely everything, I was somehow calm, and I just said out loud, Papa, if you're here, I love you, I miss you, and you are always on my mind. We don't use the printer often, but when I hear it queue up, I can't help but run in to see if maybe, just maybe, he wants me to know he's here. I included a photo I took of the third page that printed, though I feel it's anticlimactic for anyone else. I still have it and can't imagine I'll get rid of it anytime soon, if ever. I also included a photo of him from his time in the Army from 1957, so you can put a face to the sweet man who helped raise me. Well, thank you so much, Summer. And she sent two wonderful pictures, especially the one of Papa. He looks so sweet and kind. I, I mean, love exactly. It. If you said, tell me about this person, I would say a painter, an animal lover, never mm-hmm. said a bad word about anybody. And yeah, Summer sent a picture. It says, I want to thank each of you for coming this afternoon. Your support and your prayers have meant so much to us. And that's an interesting line that Papa mm-hmm. maybe printed out if it was a thank you to the people that had attended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that we're helping with everything, just being mm-hmm. around during his family's time of need. I um, I love that. I think it's so comforting to feel things like that when you don't feel that fear. I've had moments like that where all of a sudden, like, I'll be in my car and just, like, the energy shifts, the air feels different, and I get this, like, weird, calm feeling and, like... I don't even know how to explain it, but I'll just be like, oh, it feels like someone is here now. Like there's something like there's, you know what I mean? Like I feel like an energy uh, around me that wasn't there before. And I have also said out loud, like whoever I think it might be like, hi, you know. Right. Like if you're doing something that a deceased family member might have done, you know, looking at a sunset and you and your grandma always look like looked at sunsets Mm -hmm. together, that calming feeling of someone's presence. Yeah, for sure. I'm seeing that it was a deleted line, too, that it wasn't just a glitch of, oh, it's printing the actual version that's saved on the hard drive. It's printing words that were in there that she wasn't even at home, you know, when she left Mm -hmm. to, to go to the funeral. That's. I I think that's a message. And I think a lot of times it's electricity. And so maybe it just manifests in in the printer access. I like that, though, because that would mean we could get messages from the afterlife. That's a great thing to haunt is a printer. (laughs) Everybody get a printer, get a fax machine. Get I mean, they can probably text and stuff, right? Yeah, (laughs) you get them a text, get them FaceTime would be ideal in the afterlife. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. You'd be like, are you there? I, I can't tell. I have I'm seeing nothing, but you, I hear you. <laughs> but I hear you. But yeah, well, thank you so much for sending that in because I, I love to know people's departed loved ones too. You know, just even the mm-hmm. a slice of them that we get to hear about today that he meant so much to you and now he means so much to all of us. Mm-hmm. So thanks for sharing Papa with all of us. Sinisterhood will be right back. 
Well, this last one is from Fiona, and the subject line is the true story that gave my eighth grade English teacher nightmares. Hey, ladies, my name is Fiona, and I'm 14. So I guess now you know that your podcast is reaching high schoolers, too. Me and my mom recently started listening to you guys a couple months ago because of my love for horror. I really enjoy Freaky Fridays and thought I would share the essay I wrote in eighth grade of my experiences with sleeping that gave my teacher nightmares. Anyway, let's get into it. I've always been sleep deprived. It's always been hard for me to actually fall asleep. I've always been just too scared. Growing up, I've always had what my parents called night terrors. I was never sure what they really were. But for all I knew, everyone had them, or so I thought. I'm sure most of you have had a monster, at least that's what I call them. You know, the terrifying creature that always used to scare you when you were little? A lot of people can relate to this, except for the fact that when I say I have had one, I've had 15, and one is still here. I can never remember when they came. 11 was always difficult. The others were nice, one of which scared 11 off. They all left around fourth grade. During fifth grade, an old man arrived. The old man is just an old man, sitting in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth, all the time, staring, just staring, never speaking, just staring. The creaking is unbearable. It takes a while to fall asleep with all that creaking. The worst part is that I don't even have a rocking chair in my room. Enough about him, though. Remember the three I mentioned earlier? Well, one of them was a little girl. Her name was Gray because of her gray skin. She never would tell me her real name or show the face under those long bangs of hers. And she always carried a pink stuffed rabbit. We would always talk. It calmed me down for a little bit. Talking with her was nice. She always knew things I never told her and never talked about herself, which was a little odd. Every night we would just talk and talk and talk. It was very strange. I wish I knew why I trusted her so much, why I ever made conversation, or why I still miss her to this day. I guess it's because she actually listened to me, unlike others. She's now gone, though, like the others, besides the old man, of course. It was like they disappeared, not a trace left, like they evaporated into thin air, like water on the ground. And so she was just gone. And she was for years until one day. Quite recently, actually, I think a couple months ago, I heard something. A voice in my head, just like Gray. Just like how she used to speak to me. Fiona, Fiona, we're back. I'm back. I can hardly wait to see you again, Fiona. Can you wait to see me? I brushed it off at the time, thinking it was just me missing her for some reason again. Later that night, I went to sleep. After a while of tossing and turning. I have no memory of what happened next, but apparently I was sitting in the middle of the hallway in the dark, as still as a statue, and I scared the crap out of my mom. I have no idea what happened that night, but from what my mom told me, she called my name a few times and I never responded until I woke up. That part I remember. I was clueless as to how I got there and my parents were worried. They questioned me for a bit and then went back to bed, thinking I had just been sleepwalking. But even later in the night, in the darkness of the bathroom, I saw a silhouette and shadow in the darkened room. The door was open when I always close it before bed, so the fact that it was open was rather strange. But what really got to me was the girl in the doorway, holding 
a pink stuffed rabbit. Fiona. God, I'd have nightmares I, too. First of all, I love that we've made it to 14 year olds. Score. I'm telling you, when cool, my nieces are Heather, like, we're cool. Adults are nerds, except Aunt Heather. And it's like, I'm like, I have a podcast. Is that cool? And it's like, well, I'm 14 and I think it's cool. I'm like, yes, I made it with the hello, fellow children. I'm cool too. Use. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. And thanks for letting us know that we're cool with the young folks. Yes. Also, very well written. If you're oh, already yeah. writing so well at 14, keep it up. And I love that. Um, you're into horror and spooky things. I feel like it will be a personal parent accomplishment of mine if Ella comes home and is like, I wrote something so scary that it gave my teacher nightmares. <laughs> I'm like, bravo. It's definitely a score. And I'll tell you, Fiona, my seventh, eighth grade teacher, I had the same teacher both years for English, still a friend of mine, is a listener mm-hmm. to the show. Hi, love you, Kay. And we <laughs> still have like, breakfast, lunch together once a month and meet up. And she still remembers a really disturbing story that I wrote in seventh grade <laughs> and was like, I actually might have a copy of it. But I was like, oh, you remember that? She's she was like, find it. She was like, some stories you never forget. <laughs> so I imagine oh, your eighth yeah. grade teacher's like, in oh my 20 gosh. years. What if, what if, Fiona, if your teacher listens, t- I want her point of view. Yeah, like, tell your teacher I was to write just in. Had a glass of Chardonnay, reading some <laughs> stories on a quiet Saturday night, and then bam, Fiona's story <laughs> fucking got me. Haven't and then slept the- since. Yeah, if you see a pink rabbit, all of a sudden you're going to be like, "What's happening? Why are rabbits?" I think we've talked about this before. Rabbits can be very cute. Mm-hmm. But they also can be very evil. It's Benicula. It did it. <laughs> Gave <laughs> rabbits a bad name back in the day. Uh, I remember being a kid and being too scared to crack the pages of Benicula. I was like, it's evil. My sister's like, it's not. But yeah, it's a good point. Maybe the sharp teeth, the like. <sighs> yeah, or the the white fur and the red eyes. Is, I don't know. It's something about like the bunny man. And anytime yeah. like in a horror movie, if there's like, you know, a. a person with like the rabbit hat on it always gets me yeah like donnie darko or something with a rabbit costume mm-hmm. no something. or in the shining it's not a rabbit but it's i mean it might be a pig or something when he looks in the open room door and you know there's some fucked up stuff going on oh in yeah, there. that's right the guy with the dog head somebody's yeah, on their knees a dog. yeah i don't like any i don't like heads like rat, like animal heads on people. I don't like. Oh, it. I can't. Like the fucking kid in Florida with the fucking hamster head. Yeah, no. There was just walking. I would have seaside. If I walked around the corner and saw that, I would have honestly. I would have screamed. It's honestly my nieces are walking in front of me. It was seaside where they filmed the Truman Show. That's where I was this week on vacation. And as we were walking in front, like through the between their two heads in the distance, like twenty feet ahead, I saw probably a ten year old boy just mm-hmm. in a hamster rubber hamster head just but it was just staring but he was like facing y'all's way so you just see this dead eyes no expression it's very unnatural i don't like it gives me the heebie-jeebies you're right all that to say probably be dreaming about some messed up rabbits tonight so fiona (laughs) it's not just your eighth grade english teacher probably gonna give us nightmares too yeah which again uh... (laughs) congrats Yeah, I was going to say, the next time I see a pink bunny rabbit, I'm going to be like, God damn it, Fiona. <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, dang it. you share cause... a namesake with the greatest hippo that's ever lived. So, 
you got that going for you too. I do love the name Fiona. It in- it makes me feel very happy and like I want to hug you. So hello, Fiona's Fiona. Fiona's a great name. It's wonderful. Fiona Apple, Fuck incredibly yeah. talented. Fiona yeah. the Hippo, we all love. Beloved and by all. Fiona the Writer, who uh, is going to give us all nightmares. That's three right there. The trifecta of great Fionas. We have mm-hmm. a Fiona Hall of Fame. You're in it. Well, thank you, Fiona. <laughs> Fiona for Fame. Yes, thank you, Fiona, and thank you to everyone else for sitting in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at SinisterHood.com slash Freaky Friday. If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content, like our recent true crime headlines on the Idaho murder updates. We also just had our recent mini-sode on the murder of Eric Richens, which is in the news right now. His wife, Corey, has been charged with his murder, who wrote a book about how to grieve and a children's book, in fact, because uh, he left behind three young boys that they shared together. If you want to get some awesome Sinisterhood merch, you can go to Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. We've got t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos. It is uh, all kinds of designs, including our logo shirt. So catch that, Sinisterhood.com. Click on merch. You can also review the show, follow us on socials, check out the episode description for more fun like topic-based playlists, and get links to live show tickets at Sinisterhood.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. You can head to our YouTube to watch uh, this week's episode about McGruff the Crime Dog. There's a video element. And oh, man. <laughs> the part part with the intro where we're talking, because we shot the video part in March, but then we added an intro and I told Paris, well, we need something. And so I had to make McGruff like the DVD logo on the it. office where it bounces around. <laughs> and I was like, can you make it bounce into a corner at one point? And he was like, I got you. So there's oh, a bouncing McGruff yes. that counts down to when the video starts. So go to our YouTube to check that out. We're also on TikTok and we're on Cameo. If you want us to do a customized video shout out, uh, head on there and let us know what, what you want us to say. And you get a personalized hello happy birthday happy anniversary from Head talk whatever could be for yourself we're about to jump off and record quite a few and several of them are pep talks so yeah you don't have to wait for somebody else to do something nice for yourself treat yourself and uh you know if that's what you need we got you yeah do it and christy where are you at on the internet i'm on instagram i don't know if you've heard of it it's um <laughs> At Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok <laughs> at Christy or GTFO. Speaking of our TikTok, I showed okay. Ella the uh, parrot on a truck and sh- we have now watched it. We're g- our views are going to be up because she just wants <laughs> to watch it on repeat. But um, she's like, is this real? And I was like, oh, yeah, it was very real. <laughs> oh, it's so very real. Yeah, go to our TikTok or our Instagram or whatever. Watch when we saw the parrot on the truck because we talked about it on Freaky Friday. We brought receipts. There's video evidence. Oh, and it's so good. People are like, this is better than I even thought. And honestly, <laughs> it is. We <laughs> undersold it. <laughs> we did. Uh, and if you want to find Find me on the internet. I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram. I have heard of it. It's <laughs> new, so I didn't know if you had. I thought you were just putting Instagram on blast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, today's the day she's coming for Zuck. Today's the day. <laughs> well, as always, the devil rules the airwaves. <laughs> Keep it creepy.
sinning.